Welcome to the Atlanta Career Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Varnadeau, and this week's guest is Will Devlin. He's Vice President of Message Gears, a local firm here in town that does email campaigns and a whole lot more. Will and I worked together at a small e-commerce company called Shop Visible, and he was instrumental in getting our clients set up with an online strategy, a marketing plan, best practices, and other things they didn't know they needed. So he's since moved into the world of email marketing, and he's demonstrated a leadership in that industry. He and I share a passion for golf, college sports, and good bourbon, although it's not entirely in that order. So I always learn something new when I chat with Will, and today should be no different. So Will, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Paul. It's great to be here. Good. So um, you and I met probably, I guess it's been like seven or eight years ago. Um, and, yeah. Uh, so t- was that, when did you start at Shop Visible? Was it 20- I think it was 20, 2012. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I think you were already there. Yeah, but not for long. I, yeah. I think I started Thanksgiving 2011. Um, and I actually, that, I, that's the reason I'm in Atlanta. I uh, moved from where I went to college, um, was in Greenville, North Carolina. A lot of people know Greenville, South Carolina, but yeah, North Carolina, I went to East Carolina University. Go Pirates. Go Pirates. And uh, then got married and started a family out there. So I, I lived there for a decade. And then um, Shop Visible is the, the job that led us to move to Atlanta, make a big yeah. And haven't looked back. Well, that's cool, man. So were you, are you from North Carolina originally? Uh, I was born in New York. My family is all from New York and Long Island, but um, my mother's uh, company moved to Charlotte when I was two or, or relocated to Charlotte with a, a, a major branch. Okay. So I, I grew up in Charlotte, uh, grew up in the South, which is a little interesting in that, you know, my entire family they all eventually move south, either to North Carolina or there's a batch of them in Florida. They all sound like they're straight, straight out of Long Island still after <laughs> 40 years. It's Long Island, right? Long Island. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm yeah, I'm one of the few of the of them that grew up in the South, and uh, so yeah, that's <laughs> it's just quite a quite an interesting ride there. Yeah, that's cool. And so, so you mentioned East Carolina. We actually um, drove through the campus there. So my daughter is looking at PA schools in the next year to two years. And so East Carolina was on her list. So when we were coming back from the Outer Banks, we mm-hmm. drove through there. And so I got to see uh, a little bit about the, the town and, and the campus. And so it's kind of cool. It's, you know, it's, um, I don't know if you consider it a college town. There's probably other things going on there, but the medical center was pretty good size there. So I was a I was kind of impressed. I thought it was just going to be a real small, small school, small town. And, you know, it was a little, it was bigger than I thought. So how was your time there? Uh, I greatly enjoyed it. I mean, I would, I would consider it a college town. I mean, it, it's, it's probably, you know, it's bigger than a town, but it's a hundred thousand people population, but everything is centered around the college and, and the medical center that you reference is, is tied to the college. And yeah, so it's, it's, that is, essentially the economy out there. Um, And, you know, it is in the middle of it's, it's between Raleigh uh, and the Outer Banks, almost, almost exactly halfway. Um, And I really, I I fell in love with the campus when I went and toured it. And I like the proximity to uh, the beach, the Outer Banks, beautiful Mm -hmm. uh, coast of North Carolina. Um, I I like the thought of being able to just hop in the car on a whim and and go to the beach, uh, which not, 
was not something we did when, you know, growing up in Charlotte. <laughs> and it was just far enough away from Charlotte. It was about four hours, a um, uh, little over four hours, actually. That so it was far enough away where I felt like I was out of my own, but it wasn't like across the country. It wasn't a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was kind of a perfect mix because, you know, you could get to Western Carolina and, and see some mountains and some different scenery, you know. Right. It didn't take too long to get out there either, so, um, so that's great. So you, so you started East Carolina. Did you, um, did you know right away what you were going to major in, or was that a process? It was a process. Um, you know, I, I had, a, had a thought, an idea. I, I, started, um, I started with my major in communications. I wanted to be a filmmaker. Um, oh, neat. I wanted to, I wanted to create. I, I never wanted to be in front of the camera. I wanted to, to write and direct and produce i wanted to, to to be everything behind the camera mm-hmm. um and so that was i mean I, I had no it's funny when you're younger and you're you're kind of getting out into the real world like i just didn't have any real plan um you know going to college i i thought well i could do that i mean that would be fun uh, right maybe this is a career path for me but i didn't i didn't have a long When I'm a junior and senior, my concentration will narrow a bit uh, within that field. Gotcha. So did um, did so did you change your major? I did. So actually, my my college uh, trajectory was was sort of unstable. <laughs> so I went a couple. I went two years in East Carolina, and then uh, met a girl. Who um, was a of mine? It's uh, usually what happens. <laughs> yeah, who, who I married. Uh, yeah, yeah. For fifteen years, um, and so I uh, took a break from college and got a job, and we had we started a family right away. Okay. Um, and I then um, I then tried, balanced, you know, starting a family, uh, trying to to work in my first job. Uh, first real job, I guess, first desk job, mm-hmm. and do some community college at night. Um, and I, so I eventually, I got my my two year um, through night school, finished up there, and then um, it didn't take long. And then uh, I got my four year degree years later online at night. Gotcha. So I, I, mean, I did a couple of a couple of fits and starts there. It was not the traditional way to uh, to go through it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's. I mean, what, what you did is certainly admirable because it's not easy to do that. I know just having a child, well, all things, right? College is uh, a big adjustment. Uh, marriage is a big adjustment. Parenthood's a big adjustment. When you're rolling all those in at once, it's, man, I, I'm sure there were some days that were just, you know, driving you absolutely insane, but uh, it was hats an off overwhelming, to you, man. Uh, overwhelming four or five-year peer change. Um, and, you know, I... I would wouldn't trade it for the world. I I love how it turned out, uh, but it was very chaotic. At yeah, time, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's um, that's great. So you you mentioned your first job. So what did you uh, where did you land to start with? Well, I mean, obviously, like you know, in high school back home, I mean, I had lots of traditional. You know, I worked at the local theme park one summer. I, you know, did, did you know grocery bagger pizza pizza man um, yep worked at best buy one year 
did a lot of those types of, you know, as you're a teenager, getting some experience under your belt. I, I also, when I first got into college, I got a job as a night uh, front desk clerk at a really seedy hotel in Greenville. <laughs> and um, I don't know, I was thinking about that recently. I don't know why I did that. I don't know what motivated Surely there were other jobs. Yeah. That, that I could have gotten that didn't involve like danger and weird hours and better pay. And uh, I don't, I don't, I don't understand what, what motivated me. It didn't last long. It, you know, I rarely saw the sun during that time. It yeah. Was, uh, it wasn't worth the money, but my, um, I had a buddy of mine that um, worked at a place out in, in Greenville that was based there called Overton's and Overton's, uh, was started in Greenville, and it was a it's a water sports and boating accessories company, um, and um, it uh, was a like a you know, you, if you were a boater, um, you would you would have the Overton's catalog much like you would have a West Marine catalog or a Boaters World or other specialty shops like that that are mm -hmm. more national, and so Overton's was. was Headquartered in Greenville, they had a, a retail store there, but then they also had their corporate offices there. Um, and so my buddy worked in their call center. Uh, this was right before people were really comfortable shopping online. Um, they had a website, but it wasn't, uh, you know, it was very small revenue uh, at the time. And so uh, everybody would get the catalog. They want to buy something. They call the number on the catalog and they place an order. And so I was, he, he said, look, they, they hire people for the summer. Um, and it's, it's inside, it's AC, it's, it's decent pay and all of, all the people we hang out with work there. So why don't you, why don't you try to work there? <laughs> so that was, um, that was my first like real, real job. And the motivation at first was to last past the summer. Um, yeah. like I didn't want it to be just, you know, the seasonal, the, the summer for Overton's for a boating company was was like that like christmas right like a lot of a lot of retailers see the huge spike in q4 uh, around holiday shopping not so for overton's uh it was, it was all in in you know in between april and september is when the bulk of the ordering gets done mm -hmm. and so um yeah i started in april there and uh they, they started they would usually start cutting the seasonal employees towards the end of july and uh i just wanted to work and, and do a great job to, to where they would keep me on full, uh, full year round. And, uh, that was my first motivation there. And I did. <laughs> so. That's cool, man. So is that, is that part of Gander mountain or is that a separate company? So, yeah. So after I worked, uh, I, I was there for about a year when Gander mountain, Oh, actually a, a private equity firm bought Overton's. And then a couple of years later they sold to Gander mountain. And so we were a part of, of Gander mountain, um, run as a separate company and they and, and one of the reasons that gander mountain purchased overton's was because they um, did not have a online store at the time and the infrastructure and the know-how to do all of that at scale uh gander mountain competes with or competed with bass pro uh and cabela's and, and mm -hmm. really large outdoor retailers um so they bought overton's because there's complementary business lines of business, but there was also just the infrastructure with the call center distribution, catalog creation, online, um, uh, online store, all of that, that we knew how to do and run. So we actually ran 
um, Overton's.com and GanderMountain.com from the Greenville office. Gotcha. So that's kind of what your, your uh, initial experience was um, with getting with online shopping and the e-commerce. Yeah. So I was on the e-commerce team. So I, I worked in the call center for a couple of years and um, there was an opening internally in, within the marketing team that I interviewed for. Um, and that's, that's how I got into the, the marketing department there and in, in the e-commerce department. Um, and it, it was around that time where I kind of knew that, I mean, that, that sounded intriguing to me. I, I don't know if I really thought of it as a career path necessarily, mm-hmm. again, still not having the long view, but I thought, you know, I, I'm, I'm good at, um, you know, creativity. Um, I can think on my feet. I, uh, I enjoy working with, with numbers and trying new things out. And, um, I also really like, um, you know, I'm curious about how other people see the world, what motivates them, you know, just their behavior, psychology, um, and all of that ties into to marketing. And so when that job opened up, I thought that would be cool. I'd rather do that than be in the call center. And that's how I got there. And so when Gander purchased us, I was already on that team. Um, and that just gave me more, more responsibility there, uh, and, and a bigger challenge to, to meet. So. I mean, that's, it was kind of a, you know, I don't say it's a niche, but not everybody was doing it or doing it very well. So to kind of get into the ground floor with a company that, you know, has targeted you guys and your expertise was certainly a a unique opportunity for you. So, yeah, I know when I, when I got to shop visible, I mean, there were other e-commerce applications that I had worked for in the automobile industry and, and some other areas, even like the airlines back in the day were doing some of that. But, um, from a retailer perspective, that was all brand new because it really was taking the brick and mortar operations and, you know, not only just creating a new, you know, avenue for selling, but it also blended the two, like some of the, some of the retailers became distribution centers and all of the, the analytics and the, the supply chain, you know, infrastructure around that was, was pretty complicated. So it was pretty amazing industry to be a part of. Yeah, it was a, I, I look back, feeling lucky that I was there at that time, you know, because it was, it was very much uncharted territory and the public at large was still not comfortable shopping online um, for the most part. I mean, yeah, you know, not to the case that not, not to the not to, not degree today, we are now, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. So it's, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, in, around 2005 when people really starting to really started to gain traction and, and things like Amazon and eBay were, were hot, but, but at the same time, like there was still hesitant. It wasn't, it was still sort of this, you know, felt very new. Um, and you know, if you weren't the, uh, the Walmarts or something of the world, it was still, you know, I don't know. I can't touch it. I can't feel it. I don't know what you do with my credit card information. Right, right. Uh, you know, and so, it, yeah. It, and then with, with Gander Mountain, which did have a very large retail, physical retail presence, um, understanding how, how the website worked within that, um, you know, some managers of, of stores would, would view the website as a competitor almost because they're like, well, they're stealing business that, you know, people would w- normally walk into the store. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they're they're buying it online. I would have normally, you know, gotten that sale, but now they're crediting the sale to the website. And you know, so there's there's a lot of uncharted territory that we had to, 
kind of figure out on the fly. And I was, I was uh, very fortunate to be there around, around that time as a lot of that was taking shape. Yeah. But it's exciting too. I, and, and you mentioned that something really important at the retail I worked with, um, you know, they had physical stores that, you know, they were trying to avoid that showrooming concept where people would come in, check out whatever, and then go, you know, in the car and buy it on their phone or go back home and log in and do it. Yeah. And then they also had to deal with returns. So you'd buy something online, online would get credit, and then you'd return it at the store and the store would take the hit on the return. So there was some internal strife going on um, between the two um, avenues of shopping. So it it's kind of sorted itself out, but it definitely took a while to do that. So, yeah, and who knows? We may be doing a you know a podcast in another fifteen years and laugh about you know, how how elementary things were uh, in twenty twenty even. So, uh, right, it's, it's crazy. Or we'll talk about you know since physical stores died five years earlier and now they're starting <laughs> right. to open them up and going, hey, I'm going to go in the store and buy a shirt, man. Isn't that crazy? Imagine yeah. That? yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so we mentioned Shop Visible. I know they changed hands a couple of times. Um, you were there longer than I was. Um, but uh, tell me how you kind of moved from e-commerce into the world of uh, email marketing and campaigns and such. Well, you know, as part of being on the e-commerce team at at, uh, at Gander Mountain and Overton's, I mean, one of the things that I was was constantly uh, I mean, I, I took on more responsibility in the in the six seven years I was on that team, uh, where I, you know I first started off doing like listing things on eBay. <laughs> it was I think my first job there. Oh really? Uh, yeah, that was like my first. That was my that was the job that I applied for that I got was like okay, well we need you to list some of our products on eBay. Um, Did they have a store set up within eBay? I had to create that. Yeah, <laughs> I created that. And then they, what they wanted to do was sell open box items that they couldn't sell anywhere else. We didn't okay. have the ability. Uh, so if somebody returned something that wasn't defective, but it was opened, uh, we could sell it on eBay. Um, so that was my first. So I was, um, as I gathered more responsibility over the years there, I mean, one of my big things was, um, you know, we, I was in charge of running all of the promotions on the website and coordinating all of the, uh, the, the marketing calendar for the website and then also for um, uh, all of the uh, email marketing activities. So I had to plan out, okay, here's when we're going to send emails. Here's how we're going to do it. I selected the, the email vendor we used, um, managed the, the, the database, all of that stuff. So I was, I was running, um, you know, we, we had each, each database had about a million email addresses in it each and we were sending uh, two to three emails per brand. So we were sending quite a bit of email, uh, you know, every week. Um, and so and I had the hands on there. And so again, I was there for about seven years and, um, my, we, we lived, this was in Greenville still. And so my, my, my kids were getting to the point where my oldest was going to be in kindergarten. And we just didn't know if we wanted to stay in a small ish college town forever. Right. Mm -hmm. and thought our kids are at the age where it's not going to be totally disruptive to their lives to, if we move somewhere versus if we wait and they make a ton of friends in elementary and middle school and then we decide to go somewhere else. Right. Right. So that's why I started looking for a new job. That was actually the motivation. And we had thought, okay, well, we, we want to live somewhere where if that job didn't work out or when I was ready to change jobs or whatever, that there would be opportunities. So right. small towns. And so really 
looked at Charlotte and Atlanta um, as, as the biggest possibilities. And so Shop Visible um, had, a, had somewhat of a perfect opening at the time, which was looking for somebody to uh, run uh, professional services or to start professional services for their clients. Um, so, so they were a software company and they had a mix of sort of these mom and pop smaller businesses that use the software and then these really large enterprise brands that use the software. Mm-hmm. And there was a subset of those that really more in the middle that were pretty sophisticated and did pretty decent business, but they also, you know, were, had small teams. They didn't have a deep expertise in e-commerce, email, um, you know, advertising strategies for online, things like that. And so that was, that was the job. Um, and so that was the exciting part about that opportunity. And um, that's how I ended up in Atlanta and at Shop Visible was uh, taking that job. And so that's what I, I did. I worked with, with our, you know, sort of mid, mid-sized clients on various projects from um, just helping them think about a better better workflow on their website to actually running and, and executing marketing campaigns for them. We had a designer that worked for me that we hired eventually, and we would build some of our clients' email campaigns and deploy them for them and report back with the results. Um, so that was, that was a lot of fun um, because I could kind of take what I learned and knew from my experience at Overton's and Gander mm-hmm. and apply it to, to a lot of other businesses. Um, and, and really help people out. So that's I cool. Yeah. Great, great amount of fun doing that. Cause I, yeah. Cause I, I know you and I didn't work closely. Um, you know, I had kind of the right. product team and, and you were doing the marketing piece and, um, and I don't know if, you know, when, cause you were there when they changed hands, right? Was it, I was there. Um, no, right up until they changed hands. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. So yeah, there was, I know they had a, a bigger um, company that, that purchased them and, you know, things changed a little bit with uh, their business model, but um, I didn't really keep too much tabs on, on what they were doing since then. So, um, so I guess getting that exposure, not only with just the operations of e-commerce, but also how to market that. And, and you saw a lot of, you know, aches and pains from customers that just didn't know how to do this whole online game very well. Um, and, and it's funny cause you know, we're, we're always trying to come up with a new shiny object that's going to kill email. And at the end of the day, email still rules, right? And um, I keep telling my kids this because they're like, I never check email. I'm like, you have email on your phone. You can, you're on your phone 10 hours a day. How do you not check email? But it is, it's the lifeblood of, of business. And, um, you know, I think that there are companies that understand how to market that and there are some that don't. And so I'm sure you've got 100 stories of examples, both good and bad, of, you know, what they're, they're able to do and, and the results of that. So tell me a little bit about uh, moving into that space full-time. Yeah, so, I mean, it's funny you say that about email. I was reading something this week about somebody that was just saying, like, you know, what is going to actually kill email? We thought Slack was going to do it, and it's not doing it. And having been in the space on, on both the brand side and now uh, for, for a number of years on the, on the vendor side, it, Email's just not going anywhere. I don't think I'm going out on a limb and saying that. I think people. I agree our, with you. I think people in our industry like to talk about um, people 
predicting the death of email more than people actually predict the death of email. Um, I think, but, but, but email is not owned by any one company, right? I think that's a, a big distinction between that versus a Slack or a, any social media channel. Yeah. Uh, those are avenues, but they're owned by something. You have to play within Facebook sandbox or, or LinkedIn's rules um, or yeah. you know, Slack's functionality. Email's open. Email's wide open. Um, it's universal interoperability, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter what company you work for or what device you have. It all works. It, it does. And, yeah. and it is the lifeblood of, of how we run business. Now, there are various degrees of how many different businesses utilize it. Um, and, and certainly from a personal standpoint, you know, how many people use email to communicate with each other personally, uh, I'm sure has declined versus, you know, 10 years ago, uh, especially with the rise of smartphones, but I still have a personal email address um, and I check it all the time. And of course our work email is, is absolutely necessary. And, Mm -hmm. and that is with us using Slack and zoom and having our, you know, texting each other and calling each other. So, um, yeah, e- email itself is, is a way for, for businesses, particularly um, particularly this year, but, you know, it is a way for folks to, to stay in touch and to, and to drive traffic to a store or to let somebody know what's going on or to, you know, send them a, you know, send them a coupon or, or a thank you note or everything. It's just a, it's a, a really important and very non- um, intrusive way to communicate with people. There's other avenues like push notifications on your phone and texts, but they feel very, very pushy because they come right to you, right? And mm-hmm. they grab your attention and that still feels like a sacred space where email, you sort of, you know, you're going to expect that you're going to get uh, promotions from brands and you're going to get, sure, there's always going to be some junk that you have to filter out, but a lot of the, the providers have done a great job at, at handling that. Um, so yeah, so it was interesting. I, I had this, this, this knowledge of having worked and, and done email on the, the brand side for a number of years. And then, you know, at shop visible helping a few of the brands execute on email and then actually moved into a, a, a role at shop visible um, after a couple of years where I was doing marketing for shop visible. So I moved out of the professional services aspect, um, mainly because the demand wasn't there. We, the, the, I was working, ended up working with the same clients over and over, and over again, mm-hmm. <laughs> starting to dwindle. Um, so I moved into the marketing team at shop visible. So a real business to business marketing opportunity where we were trying to, you know, uh, advertise and get new business into the pipeline for the company. And, um, and so I was doing that and that was, that was how I got into, you know, understanding the, the B2B marketing nuances and transferring what I had known about marketing to, to a business environment, a B2B environment, selling to businesses and not consumers. And um, when I left Shop Visible, um, one of Shop Visible's uh, investors uh, invest, was an investor um, in Message Gears, was the, the early investor in Message Gears. And he's like, look, they... It's a couple of guys in a room that, that are building this email marketing product, for, and they have no marketer. Um, you know, they're all technologists. So I think there's an opportunity for you here. Why don't you go meet them? And so that is, that's how I um, ended up at shop or at, at Message Gears. I um, it was it was just sort of 
right place, right time um, in that regard. And I knew immediately when I met with them and talked to them about what they were trying to build, that it was something different in the market because I, you know, I'd, again, I'd shopped for and bought email technology for Gander Mountain and Overton. So I knew that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also knew what I wanted to do with it right away. Like I was like, you know, cool, I'm going to be the, you know, essentially the founding marketer here, right? And this is going to, this will be my baby and I have an opportunity to make this, you know, the company I want it to be. Um, and so that was, that's how I got to message gears and that was the, the start of it. And it was very much like, it really was described to me that it, accurately in that it was, it was a group of developers that were working on this project and I walked in and they handed me a laptop and were like, okay, do your, do your marketing thing for us. Uh, <laughs> you know, we don't really know what that means, but do it. Um, cause we want, you know, we want this business to grow. So, <laughs> um, so that, that's how I got to message gears and I've been there. Um, gosh, it's almost been six years now. Um, that's crazy. Yeah. It'll be six years in a couple of months. And, uh, but you know that what you're what you just described about that transition is sometimes it's not necessarily you know what i'm i'm tired of my job and i just want to find something new or i don't know what i want to do sometimes it's just opportunity and doing your job really well and having good ideas and being able to leverage that when an opportunity comes up is more often not how people land at other places where there's great opportunity. You can start to do some new things. So I know it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things that's hard to really describe, but, you know, or even try to control, but, you know, I always try to be prepared for an opportunity that comes up where it, you know, it's, it's interesting to me. It's allows me for professional growth and to try something new and learn new things. And I think for, you know, the younger audience out there, that's, you know, wanting to have a buttoned up answer about how to get into, you know, email marketing or e-commerce or whatever the business line is, you know, sometimes it's, it's less about a direct path, but more about just doing what you're doing well, keeping your mind open, you know, learning and growing and, you know, whether it's in the networking profession or um, some other, um, some other arena, but, you know, that's a great example of where, you know, you did your job well, you met with somebody that's um, that knew what your skills were and knew about a gap in someplace else, and it worked out well. I couldn't agree more with, with a few things you said there. I mean, I really do think, um, you know, it's less about choosing a path and more about following a path that's there in, in right. some cases. And, and look, there's always going to be things that happen that are out of your control. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've been in situations with my career and just in life in general that, you know, of course they don't go the way you wanted them to. It's not, you know, not according to plan. There's always things that you can't control. What you can control is your character, your integrity, and your response to situations where things don't go as planned. And I think that has served me well in my career in that, um, you know, if I was, obviously you have to do a good job at what you do, but if you're insufferable to be around <laughs> or your coworkers don't like you or if uh, when, when things go south and not as planned, you react in a really negative way, um, that, that can hurt you. And one of the things that, at 
Overton's that uh, I learned very early was people watch and people understand, okay, this thing happened to, to Will that, you know, I would have gotten really angry over, you know, you, you got passed over for this job or whatever. And um, uh, the way I reacted to it was very, you know, of course it hurt internally, but, but holding your head high and just going to work and doing, doing a good job the next day, that makes a big impression on people. And I think that just, that has stuck with me throughout my career is like, you can, I like, I think when people know, okay, this is a hard worker. There's a lot of potential there and he's, he's, they are pleasant to work with that. That yeah. means a lot. I don't think I would have gotten the recommendation for the open position if I was just, you know, okay at what I did. And, um, you know, also was just sort of a jerk or, you know, or yeah. very difficult to work with or, or any of that. I think that those are the things you can control as a person. And, and, uh, that ends up opening a lot of doors and, and keeping them open for you. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent agree. I mean, I think you and I are wired pretty similarly where we don't get too worked up over things, you know, in the moment, we're not really hotheads. And I think that calming force um, can help a lot, especially with strong personalities in the, uh, you know, in the IT industry, you've got a lot of really smart people and they can get really passionate about an opinion or a, a path that they want to do, whether it's, you know, a functionality on a website or a certain way you want to code or whatever the case is. And I think having that presence of, okay, let's talk through this. Let's, you know, be more objective, less emotional, but you're right. I mean, you know, there's things that happen and you're just like, man, the car ride home, no one wants to sit next to me because I'm venting, you know, but you know, it's, it's just, uh, I think it's a good professional demeanor to have. And it's a, it's something that you've got to be practiced at. Some of it's natural too, but I think you kind of have to know your moment and uh, certainly know your audience and figure out, you know, what works best. So that's, that's yep. really good advice. So you, um, what would you say, because you, you, you mentioned a lot about, you know, the role and what you're doing. What, would you, what do you like most about your job? Well, you know, I've, I've grown into, uh, I, I'm now a VP of marketing at Message Gears. I've always, so I've always, you know, from, from day one, I've, I've run marketing. It was, I've built the marketing organization within the company. The company's grown a lot. We're, we, we just raised some money earlier this year. Uh, we, we serve really big clients like Expedia and OpenTable and Home Depot, Chick-fil-A. Uh, we send billions of emails every month on their behalf. And it's really uh, personally gratifying to be a part of that build, right? I didn't build the product. <laughs> it wasn't my idea. Um, I, don't, I don't write code. Um, and, and certainly, um, you know, I don't really get involved in, in the sales process. I, I, I try to open the door and get people in, but, but then it's, it's, I'm more of a facilitator and an aide at that point in, in what we can do. It's been a ton of fun being a part of growing a company, um, you know, to the point where I'm not sure I would ever want to work for a large company again. Yeah. I love being able to to have a position and I think anybody that works at message gear is not just, you know, somebody in leadership, but you, you can see the impact of your work very clearly uh, where, where perhaps you can't see that at a larger company. I like the experience of having worked at a big company, but only for structure purposes, <laughs> you know, only, to, yeah. only to know what it, what it can feel like when things are, are buttoned up and um, 
and documented and, and there's, you know, roles that are specific for things. But I love being in a small company where um, you, you really can pivot where you need to, to grow the business. And I, I really, I love what I do. I've, um, I've, I've moved from being a individual contributor to uh, a leader and a strategic uh, guide for the company um, and figuring out how to best position us and how to best talk about our product and, and our offerings. And it's just incredibly fun. Um, That's awesome. That is awesome. And I, and I, I do agree with you about, you know, some of the benefits of being in a small company, you know, you do see every aspect of your business and you have, you know, a voice at the table of every level of the company. And so you yeah. see immediately what your work does and what it doesn't do. And, you know, part of the, part of the advantage of a small company is that they are nimble. You can move quick and it's exciting. Um, can be, uh, can be a bit frazzling at times too, but you're definitely, um, you know, it's definitely an exciting piece. And, and I've, I feel like the, the small companies I'd work for, it's almost like getting a graduate degree in business because yeah. you see every component that you don't normally see in a large organization. I, I would agree with that. And, you know, I've, I've seen people and work with people today that, you know, out of college, they went and worked for a, a large company like Capital One or something. And, they cherish that experience because it, you know, again, provided them structure and there was professional development opportunities within that and um, you know, certain learnings. But then I also know people that cut their teeth in a small entrepreneurial company like, like message gears or shop visible. And there's a lot of great valuable lessons there too. Um, and so I, I don't know if I, you know, could recommend a path, but I feel very fortunate to have worked on, on both sides and, and, you know, part of working for the bigger organization first that was a benefit is like, you know, again, knowing what, what good structure and communication looks like, but also knowing what you don't want to become and, yeah. and, and, and knowing like, okay, I don't want things to be siloed. I don't want there to be a lot of red tape. I want us to all feel connected to one another and as a team. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it is, it's fun. It, it, it's incredibly satisfying. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely happy for you. You found a home, you've grown um, in it. Um, you've been recognized for your hard work and, and your leadership. So that's awesome, man. So uh, would be remiss to not ask this, but uh, how has COVID affected you? Like uh, we've all dealt with in this crazy year of 2020. It's been a ride. March has been so long. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. It's April, it's August. Uh, no, I, I, it's been a whirlwind and I, of course my experience is also different because I have children, um, you know, one that is, uh, will be starting high school in, in a couple of days here, uh, virtually, thankfully, but, um, you know, as a, as a business, uh, I think there's, there's message gears was actually fortunate enough to, we work with, with large, really large brands. And so mm -hmm. the impact for them, uh, was was less than if we worked for with with small businesses, for example, where you know everything shut down and they weren't going to be able to pay bills, and that would trickle down to their vendors and things like that. Where um, you know obviously our clients have adjusted what they're doing uh, from an email standpoint and uh, a volume standpoint, but it hasn't had uh, a huge impact on our business. In fact, a lot of our client existing clients have have 
grown. They're just running different types of programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've also gained uh, quite a bit of new clients. So 2020 as a business uh, has been, uh, Message Gears is, is doing really well. It's one of the best, best years so far that we've had. Uh, I think that, again, speaks to the power of email and digital marketing in general. From yeah. A, um, from a uh, r- running the company and from a leadership standpoint, COVID has, has certainly provided a, um, a plethora of challenges. Um, we're all dispersed. You know, we, we were an office, everybody in Atlanta, everybody had to be in the office every day. There were um, you know, three days a month that you could choose to do a work from home day. And of course, there's you know, flexibility if you have doctor's appointments and things like that. But um, it was very much, we want people in the office. We felt like collaboration in the office. Our office is downtown, um, central location. And uh, we, like everybody else, was really just thrown into, okay, well, we're gonna be remote for the foreseeable future. Um, now, thankfully, we already utilized tools like Slack and Zoom and, and all that. Um, but uh, the transition from being almost reluctant to, to giving people too much time to work at home <laughs> to being exclusively a work-from-home company for, for a long period of time yeah. uh, has been really interesting. And I think uh, we're probably not alone in this and that our um, – at the executive level, views of remote work and how it can, how our business can function on a remote workforce or on people that don't necessarily live in Atlanta, um, and it's evolved. We've, we've done really well, um, almost seamlessly, and, and in a lot of ways, productivity is is up, our, especially on the development side. And so, I think we learn to communicate with each other a little bit more clearly. Uh, you know, we don't get off a phone call. Or a Zoom call without everybody knowing what their what their next steps are mm-hmm. together. Um, we're connected every all all the day, but there is this this sort of lack of organic conversation and connection that you miss, um, even when we try to do things like you know a Friday happy hour type thing to to kind of lighten the load. It's still not the same as being in person next to each other. Right, and you're still looking at a screen, even though it's a virtual happy hour, right? Yeah, exactly. And and you still got your family running around cooking dinner and doing things (laughs) in the background. So it's it's not the same. There's a loss there. Um, Personally, I've I've greatly enjoyed. I mean, you never really get any prolonged period of time where your whole family can be in one place for that amount of time. Um, Yeah. So I've spent you know the last five months very connected to my, my, my kids and my wife. And I've, I've greatly enjoyed that and I've been gra- uh, grateful for it. Um, but, but yeah, the, the lines between work and, and home are certainly blurrier when you're at home all the time. So. Yeah. Cause I feel like my family's become my coworkers, you know, we're all, yeah. cause I've got at the end of last school year, I had my two girls that came home from college and my wife's a teacher, and so she came home to do remote work. And so the four of us were in four corners of the house and doing our own thing. And then, you know, around noon-ish, you know, we'd all kind of get hungry, and the kitchen became the break room, you know. <laughs> so, hey, how's your day going? Good, all right, yeah, meetings all morning? Yeah, yeah, and how's school going? You test or whatever. And so it was really kind of funny where 
you're interacting with your family and it feels more like they're, you know, Joe from accounting or whatever. And so it's, um, it is a little different and you're right. The lines are definitely blurred. So where you, especially if you're on a video call, you have to sort of put some parameters around. Okay. If the door shut, you can knock once. If you don't hear anything, I'm on a call. Right. <laughs> and so these rules of engagement had to really be created, but it's, um, and, and I think the other thing too, because I do miss the, inter the human interaction, um, you have to be more intentional, especially if you're, yep. if you're building relationships, you're networking in the organization, or you're doing this with a customer because the customers, you know, chances are, you know, in my consulting work, they're all at home as well. And so you're having to build these relationships, you know, with a customer that normally you'd be there in person for a length of time. And so you have to sort of, get comfortable being on a video call and you have to be able to read signs a little differently than you would normally do in person. You know, if somebody's, if they're distracted or they're focused or um, they're not clear about something, you know, it's harder to read that facial expression to know I have to repeat something again or let's go down a different path or a different track or whatever. So yeah, it has, you have to be, you have to be uh, experimenting all the time. Um, and it has been a, a weird year, certainly for, uh, myself, but my kids are grown. And so having to balance grade school kids and just the responsibilities that a parent like yourself has to do and your wife, that's really hard to juggle those. Yeah. And, and yes, it, it's been very strange. And, and I think, you know, especially in March when the kids were still doing school, so they, you know, immediately were thrown into this remote learning environment where, again, I, I credit our, our local school for, for transitioning so well, but you know, my, my boys are in, last year, we're both in middle school. Uh, like I said, my oldest will be going to high school, but they were pretty self-sufficient and, and able to get up, see what their assignments were, get them done, get them turned in. Um, you know, one of the, the advantages now is as a parent anyway, is that I get to see their grades <laughs> all the time. Yeah. yeah. I, I would have hated that as a kid, but I, you know, <laughs> I, I know when they haven't turned something in, there's no hiding that. Um, yeah. But my daughter, my daughter was in first grade last year in, um, in, in a Montessori program. So it was very much, not just a critical year from a, from a, you know, for its first grade, but Montessori being very focused on interactions and behavior and, autonomy um she required a lot of hand holding in march and so that was that was occasionally very stressful where you're just like i've got meetings all day my wife works from home and uh she had meetings all day and then we're also trying to not necessarily teach i wouldn't call it homeschooling but make sure they're getting their assignments done and answer questions that they have and that that part of it was was stressful um but uh i, I look forward to the school year which starts Monday and it's virtual. And I think there's a little bit more of a plan for, okay, we may be doing this for a while this year. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's uh, to start the year virtual. I think it's going to be hard to sort of find that, that trigger point where it's safe to go in the, you know, in the school, just like companies are trying to figure out what's, what's the, what's the signs going to be where all of a sudden it's, it's okay to come back to the office or yeah. it's okay to travel or whatever the case is. So it's going to be a, I think a week by week and a month by month basis to see how things play out. Agreed. So, yeah. yeah. It's crazy, man. So last thing um, I want to ask you before we drop here is just um, 
if you kind of go back in time and whether it's in high school or college or when you're starting your job, but what advice would you like to give yourself that uh, maybe you didn't know or weren't aware of? Oh man, so much. Uh, <laughs> You've so much wisdom over the years. Yeah. I mean, I often think about, you know, I mentioned the integrity and character. I mean, I, I'd like to say that I was intentional with that. I, I think my, my mother, it was just her and I growing up. I think she, she passed a lot of that along to me without me realizing it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so just not overreacting in negative ways, I think is, is super important. I think patience is a part of that as well. Um, there was a time at Overton's after I got onto the e-commerce team where, you know, I came in at the bottom on that team. And, um, you know, like I said, my first job was just on that team was listing stuff on eBay. Well, I very quickly ran out of stuff to do. Like I was like, okay, I did what I was supposed to do today <laughs> uh, in the first hour. Like I'm ready to go. And so yeah. I, I, over time I would get promoted like once, sometimes even multiple times a year, um, new job title, new, you know, bump and pay or whatever. And then I would sort of come to expect that. And then if it doesn't happen, I'm like, well, what the heck? You know, like, yeah. uh, like you, why, why didn't I get it this year? And, and so I think patience is part of that was a, a key thing in that, you know, when you're 22, 23, a year or two or three feels like a huge, a, a huge amount of time. Um, mm-hmm. in, in the long game, it's really not a huge amount of time. And, uh, in, in, you know, looking back, you know, making sure that you're just, you're learning, you're curious, you're asking questions, and you're patient. I think your, your career can take shape from there. Let it, let it take you in directions you didn't necessarily expect to, to, it to take you because, you know, things don't always go as planned. Um, and, and that's the story of everybody's life, I think, and it's certainly the story of mine is that you just kind of you make the best decisions you can and, and you kind of ride the river a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, nothing's forever, right? And uh, life is a roller coaster. Like, you know, the good times don't always last. The bad times don't always last either. And I think right. if you tend to embrace the path that you're on and make the best of it, uh, I think those, those character traits around integrity and patience, curious, um, asking questions, trying new things, is, is really, um, it really serves you well no matter whether you're starting your career or you're, you know, middle career or even at the end. I mean, I think you could always learn new things and environments change too. So if you yeah. can be adaptable, and, and this year is certainly a great example of that, that uh, I think it will definitely serve you well. So, well, cool, man. This has been great, man. I love uh, I loved hearing about, you know, there's some of these things I didn't even know um, about how you got started and some things you did at, uh, at Overton's and at Gander. So thanks for sharing a little bit of that. I think it's going to be interesting for the listeners and uh, thanks for your time again. I appreciate it. Paul, it was a pleasure as always talking to you, and I'm, I'm appreciative that you invited me on. Awesome. Thanks, man. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.